save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. And if you are on this planet and, and you've never heard of John Waters, um, boy, do you have a, a gift waiting for you because <laughs> there's such a, a, a wealth of material. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Accolades Conversation Series in which I talk to some of my favorite artists about who or what they would recommend me checking out. Make sure to subscribe to our channel or hit the like button. Jake Fogelnest is an Emmy-nominated writer, comedian, and former radio personality. In January 94, when he was 14 years old, he started the pop culture television show Square TV from his New York City bedroom and aired on Manhattan Public Access Television Cable TV. In 96, the show moved from public access television to MTV under the name Square TV on MTV. Since then, he has been involved with the UCB Theater and wrote on Wet Hot American Summer, First Day on Camp, Billy on the Street, and made guest appearances on The John Stewart Show, Howard Stern, and The Chris Gethard Show. I spoke to Jake about John Waters, an American filmmaker, writer, actor, and artist. He rose to fame in the early 1970s for his transgressive cult films including Multiple Maniacs, Pink Flamingos, and Female Trouble. He wrote and directed the comedy film Hairspray, which was an international success and was later adapted into a hit Broadway musical. He has written and directed other films including Polyester, Cry Baby, Serial Mom, Pecker, and Cecil B. Demented. His films contain elements of postmodern comedy and serialism. If you are into my illustrations, this accolade series started as an illustration book, which you can still get on CrateRecords.be. This is what Jake had to say. I owe everything in my career to John Waters. Uh, when I was very, very little, I, I, I don't even know how little I was, um, maybe five, maybe six. I saw in my father's house the Odorama card for his movie Polyester, which my father just seen probably at the theater of the living arts in Philadelphia. And I said, dad, what's this? And he said, Oh, I went to see this movie. Um, it's a scratch and sniff, uh, movie. The number would flash on the screen. And I just thought that was so cool. I said, I want to see John Waters movies. And both my mom and dad were incredibly supportive in giving me access to everything. There was no, attention paid to the Motion Picture Association of America and their rating system. If they thought I could handle it, they let me watch it. So I had this really funny experience where my father said, well, if you really want to see a John Waters movie, um, you got to see Pink Flamingos. Now, my dad being a, a responsible man, uh, we rented Pink Flamingos. And there's, there were a couple of scenes where he hit the fast forward button. Like, okay, this is not for you. Now, um, good idea in theory. However, famously, there's the scene in Pink Flamingos where two hippies have sex with the chicken. Now, it's not like the screen was blocked. He was fast forwarding. So I saw it, but I saw it in fast forward, which somehow actually makes it maybe worse 
Um, and but but I fell in love with John Waters and what uh, and um, I, I understood the the comedy, the irony. So it wasn't like, oh, I saw Hairspray and then went back. No, when Hairspray came out, I was there opening night to with the ticket and was for every John Waters movie and his, I guess, Hollywood career. But I rented every John Waters movie and it blew my mind because what it said to me as a young person is, this is a guy who's got a group of friends and a little bit of money and he's making movies that are entirely his own. And this counts. It, this counts as a movie. Sure, it may not have the biggest budget, it, 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 you know, but I've rented it at the video store. It's next to Dirty Dancing. It's a movie. This counts. And that idea blew my mind. And it, it just made it seem like anything was possible that I could with a video camera make a movie. And as technology has, uh, you know, gotten to the point where we have the ability to make a movie on our iPhone. And so few do, including myself, you know, I, I really respect somebody like Sean Baker who literally made a movie on his phone with Tangerine. Um, it, it just was like, it was mind blowing. And, um, what I did when I was seven years old is I, I read his books, uh, uh, Crackpot and Shock Value. And I wrote John Waters a letter when I was seven years old. The letter that I wrote him was not, I'm such a big fan. I was, I, I did say I'm a big fan. But in reading his book, Shock Value, I had noticed that there were his, he talked about his earlier films, Hag in a Black Leather Jacket, Eat Your Makeup, and Roman Candles. And they were not on video um, because they were experimental short films that were, you know, his, his earliest film that I could see was Mondo Trasho. And I really wanted to see Hag in a Black Leather Jacket, uh, Roman Candles, and Eat Your Makeup. So I wrote him a letter saying, hi, I'm a, a, a big fan. I'm seven years old. I have a video production company in, 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 in Philadelphia. And, uh, and I'd like to release these films. So the phone rings at my mom's house one day and John Waters was on the phone and he called. And the first thing he asked me was, do your parents know that you're watching my movies? And I said, yes, they do. And he said, okay. And he was so nice. He explained to me, those films are in my attic. They, um, they're really crude and experimental and um, they, they, they can't be released. You know, like now, obviously now I know uh, there were whole problems with music rights and, uh, and, and technical issues. Um, uh, Roman Candles is very inspired by Andy Warhol's The Chelsea Girls. It's meant to be shown with, I believe, three eight millimeter projectors uh, next to each other. You know, uh, just the way that uh, Andy did it in 16 with two. Uh, John Waters did it <laughs> with three in Super 8. And transferring that in 1987? How? You, you know, um, but he was really kind. And he put me on his Christmas card list. And I've had the opportunity over the years in my adult life, I've run into John Waters. He always remembers me. 
and he's always so gracious and he is what I want to be when I grow up. Um, I, I, I just think that he has always, he taught me what he, he taught me a lot about taste, what good taste and bad taste is and what bad, bad taste is. And he, he, he was never mean. There was never, you know, all he was subversive. Yes. Shocking. Yes. But never mean, never mean spirited. And he just meant the world to me. And, um, and him reaching out like that when I was young meant the world. And, you know, that made me a John Waters fan for life and in so many ways. Um, and then also just the idea that you could get a group of friends and make something and put it out there. And if it was sharp and funny and good, um, that an audience would, would find it. And you had another uh, guest on your show, uh, Matt Besser, who was very, very uh, influential and helpful to me uh, as a young man in New York City when I was, you know, after I had done my public access show that had become a cult hit in Manhattan and then MTV show, uh, you know, that's, that's where I got lucky the first time in show business. The second time I got lucky was the Upright Citizens Brigade came to New York City and basically said, hi, we're the UCB. We're going to open up a theater. We're going to get our own TV show. We're going to start teaching what was taught by this guy, Del Close, to other people. And New York City just went, yeah, that sounds great. And I met those guys. The, yeah, it feels like the day they got to New York before they opened the school and everything. So they were my, they were great teachers. And I found this group of people who very much like me wanted to work really hard making stuff, you know? And, you know, it's gone now from a little theater on 22nd Street to, you know, making stuff for HBO and getting nominated for Emmys and and it all starts with John Waters. What would you point out to me where to start with him? I mean, for you, it started with Pink Flamingos, but you know. Of the earlier John Waters films, I say Female Trouble. I think Female Trouble of the earlier John Waters films, uh, I think he thinks it's his best of the uh, earlier work. Um, you know, Pink Flamingos was sort of like, uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a midnight movie ever, you know, see it. It's going to shock you. It's going to make you laugh. It, it, it is a good versus evil story, but female trouble is just hardcore funny. It, it is, it, you know, it is, it is just absolutely a film that has a, has a story with a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, and, is, is it's, it's sort of like technically better. You you just see him get the, the leap from Pink Flamingos to Female Trouble. It's just great. It, it, it's just terrific. And then for the later films, I have uh, an absolute, just like, say you've never, you don't, you don't know who John Waters is and you're just looking for a good comedy movie. Serial Mom is hysterical with Kathleen Turner and, uh, it, it, it's just a really strong 
funny movie that you you don't you know that is as subversive as any John Waters film that he ever made, um, but also just happens to be like this kind of um, funny indie studio comedy from the you know mid '90s, <laughs> early '90s actually, um, and that predates so many things that happened in our culture like reality TV and true crime. It it predates O.J. Simpson. It you know it it. it and people's obsession with serial killers and you know it's very those are those are i think there's two errors of john waters i also really recommend his books shock value his first book is really interestingly structured it's it's part memoir and part essays about people that inspired him um so so you'll hear you know, like the story of how they made pink flamingos and um, how freezing cold it was. And everybody had to memorize these long pages of dialogue. Um, uh, he would write while smoking pot, but he never was filming. Uh, nobody was high while they were making the movies, you know, at least not to his knowledge, you know. And um, and then there'll be, an uh, you know, an interview with him and Russ Meyer. And if you are on this planet and and you've never heard of John Waters, um, boy, do you have a, a gift waiting for you because <laughs> there's such a, 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 a wealth of material. My favorite thing about John Waters today is that he has kind of the best job ever where he just goes around and people pay money just to hear him talk. It It's... It's almost like stand-up, um, but it's not really tr sort of traditional stand-up storytelling. It's just he has a, a charm and a wit about him, which he's always had. Mm. Whether you've seen him on talk show appearances on Letterman when he would do it with, with Divine or by himself, or just like an evening magazine tour of Baltimore. John Waters is a, is a wit, and he, and he has this amazing ability as sort of a elder statesman of filth, if you will, never seem out of touch or dismissive of, of young people and what they have to say, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. John Waters talks about having youth spies, which I love, which are younger people. Maybe John Waters doesn't want to go out to, to the nightclub till 2 a.m. I think sometimes he does, but not, not every night, you know. Um, uh, so he's got youth spies and, I, and that report back to him about what's cool in fashion, in music. And, and he has um, obsessions. And I think obsession is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, uh, I have this myself. Uh, I, I, am an, I am an obsessive. Um, not in a uh, way where it is intrusive on anybody, but I am sort of like, who directed that movie or who made this TV show and what else have they done or this actor or this musician? I think a lot of people that I met creatively have that in some kind of way. The I, rabbit hole, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. we go down. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I said before, like uh, with, with buying records as well, like where does it stop, right? And it's all a matter of like, 
Right. Do you want it to stop? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Somebody else I really, you know, admire as well is is Henry Rollins, and he collects records in a very. When you said uh, he goes around speaking to people without it being stand up comedy, my that's mind immediately went to Henry Rollins. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what Henry does, and 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 I, you know, oh please, Henry, forgive me. I did, I I always like to see Henry uh, Rollins do his speaking tour, and it was the pandemic and. He hadn't been on tour at all, but I always try to go because he's always got something new to say. And I love Henry because he's amazing. He comes out there, he wraps the mic around his fist, the cord around his fist, like he's still playing in Black Flag, like somebody's going to throw a beer at him and take that mic away from him. And nobody's going to do that because we're all just, you know, politely sitting there, whether they're age 16 or whether they're age 60. We're sitting there, but he's holding the mic. He has no bottle of water and he talks for two and a half hours straight and he's always got something interesting to say. He's coming from that same scene, but I had a conversation for two two hours and a half with Ian McKay. And he's yeah. the same guy, like he's also like, the amount of stories that that guy has is insane. Since you're bringing up Ian McKay and you're bring, bringing up storytelling, I, I must share with you. So when UCB has gone through a lot of changes, but, um, uh, about a decade ago, they opened up a second theater in New York City, and Ian MacKay came to do monologues for ASCAT. And this was very exciting to Matt Besser. I was very excited to be invited. And Ian MacKay, I has been telling a story for years, and he, it's a true story about the time that the band Fear came to play on SNL, and Ian MacKay was there, and Ian MacKay says that Lorne Michaels called him up and, and said, please come with a group of punks and uh, Fear are going to be the musical guest. And I don't want to be this person, but Ian MacKay did not speak to Lorne Michaels. He probably spoke to Dick Eversall. It would have been impossible because Lorne Michaels was not producing Saturday Night Live at the time. Mm -hmm. It was that five years. I've never... I want him to have the correct info. I know he spoke to a producer. Why would he remember? He, why would Ian McKay know the difference between Lauren Michaels and Dick Eversall? Okay, I do, but I, I, he told the story at ASCAT and he's told it subsequent years and I'm just like, it wasn't Lauren. Um, I know the history of, of how they got booked. I know you were there. I, you know, I know it was exaggerated how much damage was caused, but this one detail, but I don't, but who wants to be the guy that corrects Ian McKay? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, you know. As I sit here in a parody shirt of Raymond Pettibon's, um, uh, <laughs> flip it in, uh, which has been sacrilegiously turned to Billy Joel and keeping the faith, you know. I, Ian McKay is still wrong, he's wrong. It was, it couldn't have been Lauren Michaels that called him. And I was there that night, and I talked, I was talking to him. I, the last thing I did was go, you know, Ian, actually. <laughs> the detail of that story wrong <laughs> i want to thank jake for this conversation on next week's episode i'm talking to rapper mc paul barman aka young man about iceberg slim thanks for listening watching or however you check accolades out i appreciate the thumbs up and don't forget to subscribe to the program see you next week Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.